We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And since we've last talked, the 49ers fan base has found out that the Seahawks might still be for real, despite the great Russell Wilson exodus that had the Bay Area rejoicing. They might be for real. We'll talk about that more later. But we've also allegedly seen Trey Lance operating under center with some strippers. So, I mean, stock up. You know, big week for Trey. Seems like he's got his head in the right place. No pun intended. (laughs) PG podcast. Somebody on Twitter, Sour Death Sam, never heard of him, but apparently he's a he's a thing. Posted a fake 49ers press release that looks just like a real 49ers press release, and I am going to read it to you word for word. Again, it's not real, but it is hilarious. The title says Trey Lance video circulating internet purporting to show him at a party dancing with a stripper. Santa Clara, California, a video has been circulating online alleging showing tr- allegedly showing Trey Lance at a sick party with a bunch of beautiful women. First of all, sex workers are valid, slay. And second, we are proud that our young quarterback is bringing people together to have a great time. We hope to see that the haters and losers who would like to weaponize this video against this young savant get a real opportunity to go outside and touch some grass before the summer is over. We will be offering promotional fake $1 bills at the Seahawks versus 49ers game this weekend and encourage our fans to participate by making it rain whenever Trey Lance layers a dank deep ball in a motherfucker's face. When we make our Trey Lance bust, no pun intended, after he wins the Super Bowl, 
you can visit this boss hoss in person at our 49ers museum for more information about the 49ers museum and the virtual tour please visit levistadium.com slash museum well done sour death sam that shit is hilarious but yes a very short and brief video seemed to show trey lance tucked up behind a stripper letting some money fly and hey have a good time young man I got no problem with it. I got no problem with it. You're not going to hear much much more from me about it. Good for him. That fake press release was hilarious. Shout out to, again, Sour Death Sam, because that's some funny shit right there. Sorry to put a damper on the occasion. Speaking of rain, it is in the forecast again. I am actually going to wander over to weather.com right now. Which we know just has to be the most predictable. We always know that weather, weather, weather predictions are always accurate, right? They always are. But, I mean, shit, it was pretty accurate when it came to Chicago. But let's go over there. Let's see what it is. Okay, let's click on the 10-day forecast. And going down to Sunday, it has an 83% chance of rain. What was that from? Weather weather reports, perfect, with 100% chance of rain. What's that from? Okay, so it's a high of 67 in Santa Clara on Sunday. Rain early, then remaining cloudy with showers in the afternoon. Now, it is an afternoon game. It is a 1 p.m. game, so maybe, maybe the 49ers will come away with a little bit of luck there. Okay, winds south-southeast at 10 to 20, 20 miles per hour. Rainfall near a quarter of an inch. So it doesn't sound like intense either way but maybe that rain will be done by the time the game rolls around but just to just to make everybody happy the football gods have decided to throw some rain at Trey Lance one more time that was kind of the a little bit of a fallback for everybody after that rough first week was like hey look Trey's first week didn't look that bad and it was hella rainy especially at the end of the game when you need to throw it the most and it was an absolute torrential downpour. Well, we want to see Trey Lance play a legit game, not one covered in the rain, but it is what it is. Just don't say it's football weather. Not even football players believe that. So we'll see. It could be another wet game, or if the forecast is correct, which we know they rarely are, there may not be rain that day. There may be more rain than's projected. The rain may be later in the afternoon than they think. You know, we just don't know. We don't know. The closer we get to Sunday, the more accurate the forecast will be. So just keep checking back. We'll see. Hopefully it's not another crazy-ass rain game. The last time the 49ers played in the rain at Levi Stadium was against the Colts last year, and it did not go well. And that was Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback, and the 49ers still found a way to lose that one. So if anybody wants a comparative game between the two quarterbacks, there you go. But that's kind of worthless. But, hey, if you're into that sort of thing, 49ers starting running back Elijah Mitchell is out for two months. Is out for two months with a, I believe it's an MCL sprain, if I read correctly. It's a knee injury. That's all we got to know. And so that's unfortunate. I mean, what's crazy about that injury is that means that for like the fifth year in a row, somebody else is probably going to lead the 49ers offense in rushing. It could be Trey Lance, by the way things went in week one. We'll see. But... I mean, I, I'd have to look at, and you know, you've got Matt Breida, you've got Raheem Mostert, you've got Elijah Mitchell, you've got, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know them all, but 
it's getting a little ridiculous when it comes to, oh, it was Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde's one of those two. So we could have another 49ers leaning rusher with Elijah Mitchell that time. Who it's going to be, we don't know. Kyle Shanahan has said he's going to ride the hot hand. Uh, and, and if anybody has any interest in 49ers running backs in fantasy, you know that that shit rotates on a weekly basis. Right now, I'd say it's definitely Jeff Wilson Jr.'s job, who didn't look particularly great against Chicago. But again, uh, Chicago was a tough game to judge for anybody. Uh, Jeff Wilson had nine carries for 22 yards. You know, that's only two point yards a carry. Everybody else that carried the ball was over over four yards a carry. Trey Lance, 4.2. Debo Samuel, 6.5. Elijah Mitchell, 6.8. And Brandon Ayuk, 7. So we'll see if uh, if we get a better looking Jeff Wilson Jr. But again, he's got a Ty Davis Price, the 49ers third round rookie. And an undrafted free agent, Jordan Mason, just breathing down his neck. And I don't think that Kyle Shanahan is going to particularly favor any three of those running backs. I think if he feels like one is starting to heat up, I think any of those three can be the man on any given game day, which for fantasy purpose helps no one, but it is what it is. You should know better by now than to invest serious attention to a 49ers running back in fantasy, unless they were far and away the best one, like Raheem Mostert was for a while, like Elijah Mitchell was for a little bit last season. But it seems like those moments come and go very quickly in terms of the 49ers having one defined running back one, which kind of leads to a a tweet I fired off a couple days ago. Joked about it being a hardcore analysis, but the 49ers running backs get hurt a lot. They seem like their running back room gets hurt more than any other team in the NFL. And I know that the Ravens have gone through some some serious injury shit like like last season, but I feel like on a year-to-year basis, the 49ers running backs running back room deals with more injuries and sees more players take the field than any other team in the NFL. I have no solid information to back that up. It's just a feeling. I'm sure all y'all on the other end of the speaker are agreeing with me because it just seems that backfield is constantly rotating. And I I know a lot of it has to do with the type of rushing offense. One, the 49ers rush the ball a lot. Two, it's that outside type running style. You know, you're kind of always opening your, your running backs up to shots from the side, you know, which can easily in one shot, take out a knee. So, you know, it's not, it's less of a downhill, less of a power type downhill running where you're really just kind of running backs are taking hits from, from the front, kind of from linebackers. It's, it's always pushing the offense to the left, pushing the offense to the right, getting outside, coming downhill. And, and that exposes you a lot of shots from the, from the side. So I think that is the main culprit. It's just that outside zone type of running style, but you know, Poor them, man. The 49ers running back room deserves some form of hazard pay. They should just make, on average, a little bit more money than every other running back room in the NFL because those guys get hurt a lot. So shout out to them doing the doing the Lord's work between the tackles. Still no George Kittle. No George Kittle practice on Wednesday. No George Kittle practice on Thursday. And, uh, I mean, that's trending towards no George Kittle practice on Friday. But we will see. Um, I think we'll either hear on Friday that Kyle Shanahan has ruled him out for the game or he'll be like a game time decision and they're just trying to rest him all the way up until the point of the game, give him like a pregame workout and see what he's got. Um, Obviously, having George Kittle would go a long way on the field. Uh, a, A solid tight end is a young quarterback's best friend. And right now, Trey Lance doesn't really have that. I mean, Ross Dwelly, Charlie Warner, not exactly invoking the same amount of confidence as a George Kittle. So... 
we'll see. Uh, I mean, I'm doubtful. I'm doubtful just based on the feeling of things and kind of how things have gone with Kittle in the past. Um, but wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't hurt. Now, something we've got to get through before we move on to Seattle, because I want to spend a little bit of time just kind of talking about what we saw from Seattle, um, talking about what we saw from uh, from the 49ers and what they're going to have to clean up, is I, I just feel like <laughs> – I guess it's so predictable, and we knew it the moment the 49ers held on to, on to Jimmy Garoppolo. But it's just like I saw a tweet earlier today that said, Don't give up on Trey Lance just yet. And here's an NFL analyst to tell you why. Like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> what? Trey Lance has played one game in his first year as the starter. And we're already writing down the words "Don't give up on Trey Lance." Trey Lance yet? After like, I just don't understand how can a fan base and along with kind of some of the media bloggers, wherever you are, I'm not I'm not hating on your position or your grind or whatever. I've done all that. Thankfully, I'm in the podcast game now, which I just absolutely love. I just don't understand as a group of, of what you would hope are intelligent people that we've allowed the, the narrative to exist that somehow Trey's job is in jeopardy or somehow the 49ers are ready to give up on Trey Lance. Like if the 49ers are ready to give up on Trey Lance, then the 49ers, their people should get fired. Really the people you think should get fired. Like the two guys who were the most adamant of drafting Trey Lance and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. You can't go after a quarterback like Trey Lance that has incredible physical tools, great arm, great stature, a great mobility, but very inexperienced and not be along for the ride. It doesn't take a genius to know how this was going to be. It would be incredible, very unbelievable in, in the truest sense of the word if Trey Lance came out just firing on all cylinders and was just this incredible player. The odds of that happening with his level of experience and his level of competition in college and, you know, the amount of games he's played in the NFL just doesn't really, it's not reality. Could it have happened? Yes, but it's not reality. And the fact that there's people out there are legitimately having a conversation that's phrased in a way as if giving up on Trey Lance was a possibility after the 49ers have lost one game against an inferior opponent in some insane conditions with a lot of other things going on that Trey Lance had no control of. So if you listen to Striking Gold, please do better than these people. Please, I, I rarely I rarely phrase my opinion and my words in a way where I'm like, y'all motherfuckers better listen to me because I'm not just not like that. But right now, I'm saying y'all motherfuckers better listen to me because there's just no way you can go about your day-to-day -day life with this approach to Trey Lance. It's got to be patient. I don't care how good the roster is in. If John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are good at their job, which many things out there tell me they are, they can keep this championship window open as long as they need to. Good teams find a way to keep your window open by maneuvering the salary cap well and by, by drafting well. The 49ers, for the most part, have done a good job at both those things. I'm not, I don't give a shit about this whole championship window team ready to win now. It is, but I think they'll be ready to win later too. So if you are reasonable, 
then understand what this Trey Lance adventure is going to look like. It won't always be perfect, but you're hoping for a steady upward trend that Tim may go on for one to two to maybe even three years. Trey Lance is 22 years old and a fresh 22. He ain't. He was 21 this year. Just give it time and ignore the fucking headlines that are saying, "Do we don't give up on Trey Lance?" Dude, just get out of here. Like, it's so lame. It's just so lame, and it's so incredibly immature. I guess that's the best way I can put it. Like, I don't give a shit if Jimmy Garoppolo is on the sideline. Everything they've done over the past year and a half has been saying goodbye to Jimmy Garoppolo. They just got gifted the fa- the reality of keeping him as as the best backup in the NFL, essentially. They got lucky, but it has nothing to do with Trey Lance and his stability on the team. It, it, it's just, ugh, ugh. you know, you've got Chris Sims going on interviews saying that some 49ers players think that Garoppolo is better than Lance. So who gives a shit? That's not saying much. The the 10-year veteran or however long Garoppolo's been in the league is better than the guy making his first years, first starts. I mean, Trey Lance has been the 49ers starting quarterback since essentially late 2017. He's got a shit ton of experience, especially, especially in the postseason. Saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Trey Lance right now doesn't mean anything. It's just word vomit. It, it it doesn't mean anything like the 49ers have invested in the ceiling uh, the possibility that Trey Lance can be way better than Jimmy Garoppolo. And just a few of the throws we saw on Sunday against the Bears tell you he can be. We've already seen those little glimpses. Now, they're going to have to become more common. Trey's going to have to get more consistent. We know this. But there's nothing about saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Lance that has any substance to me. Like, okay, so this NFL veteran is better than this NFL new guy. Sure, maybe a little bit, but we're not interested in where Jimmy, the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo, the the fact that that conversation even exists tells you more about Jimmy Garoppolo than it does Trey Lance. Oh, this highly accomplished veteran, it might be better than the guy they just brought in. Yeah, no shit. That's why we're, we're trying to go beyond that. You're talking about first base. We're trying to get a home run. You know, it's just, it's, it's hilarious. It's it's this is not a sprint. It's a marathon. This shit takes time. The 49ers want Garoppolo to be good. Or excuse me, want Lance to be good for 10 years. This year is just the start of this journey. We'll see how it goes. Does that mean that every mistake that Trey Lance makes is excusable? Absolutely not. But be realistic about what we're doing here. All right. Uh, Jason Lockenfora, who just has a uh, a history of accurate reporting. This team thinks it has Super Bowl potential, and the internal hope was that games against the rebuilding Bears and Seahawks might help provide a soft opening spot. Yeah, well, okay, get 12 penalties, three of which directly result in a score, and that ain't going to happen no matter who your quarterback is. Gulp, if the 49ers open 0-2, people who have worked with and for Kyle Shanahan anticipate that Garoppolo will be starting by Week 3 Sunday night meeting with a strong Broncos defense. Well, I don't know how strong that Broncos defense, given what the Seahawks just did to them, but people who have worked with and for Kyle Shanahan anticipate that Garoppolo will be starting by week three. What if Trey Lance does everything in his power to win this Seahawks game and the 49ers still manage to lose 
what would swapping Garofalo out have anything to do with that? How would that help? It it's this it's just this it's silly. It's fucking crazy. It's just it almost feels like a free for all where you can say anything you want, no one's gonna care. Some people are gonna believe it. No one's gonna fact check it. No one can fact check it. It's just word diarrhea and we're all here for it and you just have to watch it happen and sorry it, there's no accountability if shit doesn't go like that people are just like yeah it's just more shit to listen to it's a weird time right now it, it's just it's pretty unbelievable now we could have all predicted it the moment they kept jimmy garoppolo we knew this was going to be the talking point and in the end it's just something we're going to have to endure but I'm just telling you out there, if you if you listen to Striking Gold, if you're a friend of the pod, if you're just passing by, don't buy into all this shit. Develop some form of patience and reasonable expectation for Trey Lance and just watch this shit happen. Now, you'll know when it's time to, to panic, just like I will, but we are nowhere near that yet. Let shit just play out without freaking out and trying to find the Find the exits. It's wild. It's wild. All right, Seahawks. Weirdest game. Weirdest game. Beating the Broncos 16-7. to Seahawks, Broncos were driving the field to score the game-winning touchdown. They got into a fourth and five on the Seahawks side of the field and decided to kick a 64-yard field goal, I believe, instead of just trying to pick up that five yards. The field goal, of course, was not good. What are the odds of making a 60-plus-yard field goal? was not good and the Seahawks won. Now, you we would have never expected a game to be that close to begin with, but it was. And it's not really that hard to see why the Seahawks won. Geno Smith played a great game. He was 23 of 28. 82% of his passes for two touchdowns and an interception. 119 rating. He took care of the football and he found the easy targets and he makes some made some pretty impressive throws. You know, it, it, it the Seahawks just took care of the ball or, you know, and it was, it's not that they were without a turnover. They fumbled the ball once, I believe, or they have the Denver Broncos are credited with three forced fumbles, but only one fumble recovery. So maybe, maybe it was recovery. Maybe it was, um, uh, the fumbles are still credited, even though they're not recorded, uh, recovered by the defense, but the Seahawks just played a real clean game and Russell Wilson didn't look comfortable at all. He completed almost 70% of his passes, 29 of 42 for 69%. Nice. 340 yards, a touchdown, and uh, no interceptions. But if you watch that game, he just he just looked uncomfortable. None of the receivers, you know, had – Jerry Judy had a pretty good game. He had 102 yards. Cortland Sutton had 72 yards. They were slinging it, you know. They threw the ball 42 times. That's 14 more than Geno Smith. But it just seemed – erratic it seemed like they were always reacting it's hard it's hard to quantify um their rushing attack was was pretty solid you had 12 carries for melvin gordon seven for uh uh, javante williams they averaged 5.2 yards a carry it just seemed like they were always reacting it's it's hard to put a put words to it. If you watch the game, you'd know what I'm talking about. Russell Wilson seemed like he was always kind of dancing around, trying to curate a play. The play seemed like they were rarely in rhythm. It just seemed like going into Seattle, whether it was Russell Wilson or everybody on that team, just seemed like they were pretty thrown off. The Seahawks were spreading the round. Their two leading receivers were tight ends, and this is kind of of note for the 49ers. 
in regards to where their focus is going to need to be. But, you know, Rashad Penny looked decent, 12 carries for 60 yards. And now I'm kind of bouncing all over the place. I'm just kind of recapping what on the surface level looked like between the Seahawks and the Broncos. But there's still, even though the Seahawks looked better than I expected them to be, it almost felt like the Broncos looked worse than I expected them to be. Not that the Seahawks looked particularly good. I didn't see them do a lot of things that were just particularly impressive. I think the 49ers, I mean, they were held to 17 points. And I think the 49ers defense is a hell of a lot better than the Broncos defense, despite kind of the preseason hype they were getting. It just seemed like the Broncos, which on paper have a very good team, seemed like they found a way to play down to the Seahawks. But how many times have we said that about the Seahawks? How many times have we said that it feels like they get got, pull guys down to their level? Not that they haven't been a good team in the past, but it seems like they're always making games in their flavor. Like they can just alter the sway of games to benefit them. And this is kind of another one of those. I do think the 49ers match up super well against the Seahawks and this version of the Seahawks. You know, I don't think Geno Smith is going to be nearly as comfortable back there to throw 82%, complete 82% of his passes, but we'll see. Safety Jamal Adams, arguably their best player on the roster, but still a tad overrated. He's out for the season with a quad injury, but he was gone for most of that game against the Broncos and the the Seahawks still managed to win. It's a big loss, but still, you know, something that that tilts the scales a little bit more in the 49ers' favor. Adams, pretty one-dimensional player, kind of like a strong safety defense or, you know, outside linebacker plus, just a weird player getting paid way too much. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I really just don't know about Jamal Adams, but he ain't going to be there. Um, I guess it's a good thing. Uh, he was one of the I think uh, the Solomon Thomas pick, I think I thought was going to go to Jamal Adams. So I'd say it's probably a good thing the 49ers didn't do that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
49ers lost both of their games to the Seahawks last year. Despite the fact that the 49ers went all the way to the NFC Championship game and the Seahawks missed the playoffs, the 49ers still found a way to lose to them twice, which you're hoping if our expectations for the 49ers this year are true, that they don't fall right back into that trap again. Thankfully for them, the 49ers got one of the shittiest wake-up calls you could ever ask for at the start of the season, which is, you know, taking an L to a a wildly inferior roster uh, in just a game where you can just see things unraveling. So for my first 49ers note on here, I have the 49ers should be the biggest asshole in the NFL this week after what happened in the Bears game. You got a team that shot themselves in the foot over and over and over with 12 penalties for almost 100 yards. Three of those penalties continued drives that that the Bears eventually scored on. The the 49ers just, they didn't eat a slice of humble pie against the Bears. They didn't cut shit. They just ate the whole pie. And that's going to, it may be in the long run, depending how these games start going, that may be, as we look back on this season, of some benefit. Like, oh, you think you're hot shit, huh? Okay, well, here's a loss to the shitty-ass Bears, or at least the Bears that we believe are going to be shitty. And that could be a wake-up call that kind of sets the 49ers on a decent path if I'm just trying to find some sort of glass-half-full approach to that horrible, horrible loss. Uh, But again, it was just such a... It was such a dirty game where you, as the game went on and the Bears and the 49ers just weren't putting the Bears away, you knew what was going to happen. You could just see it coming. Like eventually the 49ers defensive line's not going to be able to get there and something's going to happen. And sure enough, Dante Pettis chilling by himself. So I don't believe the Seahawks, I mean, the 49ers are massive favorites against the Seahawks. Obviously Vegas feels the same way. But it's just, you know, what would I would normally be worried about? Some sort of trap game, playing down to your opponent. After that Bears game, if the 49ers can't get up for this, can't beat the shit out of the Seahawks in what still feels like a bad team despite beating the Broncos, then they're going to have some some major soul-searching to do. You've got an extremely accomplished 49ers defensive front, a stacked defensive front that looked great against the Bears, going up against a, a a mediocre at best Seahawks offensive line with two rookie tackles. Nick Bosa, Samson Ebicam, Drake Jackson, uh, even Kamiko Ture, who got brought up from the practice squad. Those guys are salivating. Salivating. It, it, it should be... Geno Smith should not be comfortable in this game. But again... I don't know, especially if that rain starts coming down. I don't know what type of game we're going to get, but whatever. One thing I want to say about this game in terms of when it comes to the 49ers, can can Trey Lance in this game, even if it is raining, not lead the team in rushing attempts and rushing yards? Because that to me does not seem like a sustained recipe for a recipe for sustained success. Like, look, I understand some of those carries were in the moment where Trey's just trying to create a play, but that just cannot be the case. It's just not sustainable. Um, I do not want the 49ers to go away from utilizing Trey Lance's rushing ability. They just need to do it less often or in a way where Trey Lance can just 
slide, pick up the yards, run the next play. Now, Trey Lance said in a press conference this week, like, look, if it's third and 10 and I've ran for nine yards, I am not sliding. And that's perfectly normal. That's what you'd want to hear a football player say. But the more you run the ball, the more you expose him to those situations, the more you're rolling the dice that Trey Lance won't need to get upended by Jimmy Garoppolo. He's just going to get hurt, and Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to come in. There's your knock on wood. I just, Kyle Shanahan, whether it's with Debo Samuel, whether it's with Ty Davis Price, Jeff Wilson Jr., Jordan Mason, find a way to keep Trey Lance upright, keep his uniform clean-ish. He had the dirtiest uniform out of the Bears game. That is until they went sliding across the field after they won. Try to keep that man a little cleaner than he was against the Bears. And that didn't have as much to do with the rain as it did the fact that he the dude was just scrapping it out. And I like seeing that. I like I like seeing that Trey Lance is able to create plays like that. It's a huge part of his game. But Kyle Shanahan and his master schematic ability has got to find a way to get Trey Lance uh, to keep him clean, to keep him clean. And obviously, Debo Samuel may be the key. He had eight carries for 52 yards against the Bears at six and a half yards a carry. You know, and to score, get him the ball. Get him the and, and, he, and it doesn't always have to be rushing yards. Just get it out there. Now the 49ers tried to get the ball out to Debo Samuel right before the end of the half, and Trey couldn't even get it out there. But again, it was raining. It was already gross. Uh, it was just was not a an accurate picture of what necessarily we would expect. But Debo Samuel has to be your ultimate scapegoat for Trey Lance. And whatever you want to do with Trey Lance, find a way to do it with Debo Samuel. Get the ball out quickly. Move the run game to the perimeter where the receivers, where you've got Brandon Ayuk getting a block for Debo Samuel catching the screen. And then you've got, you know, if Ayuk's blocking his man. You've got Debo Samuel on like a one-on-one, which will take any day. You know, I'd also like to see Debo Samuel get a little bit more involved in the pass game. He had seven targets, some of those in the backfield. But he only caught two of them. So it's hard to take a whole lot from that Bears game given just how shitty it was. But on the defensive side of the ball, you know, well, I'll stick to the offense for now. When it comes to the run game, you've got three decent running backs. Two of them are unproven, but I have a feeling they'll be decent. Run the ball with those guys. I mean, they ran the ball 37. I don't care if it's raining or not. Just keep running the ball. Try and get set forty, set Trey Lance up with manageable completions. You know where he's hitting hitches and slants and outs, where he doesn't have to push the ball down the field that off. You want Trey to be pushing the ball down the field when the defense isn't exactly expecting Trey to push the ball down the field. That's what some of those completions against the Bears felt. Bears felt like had a good one to Brandon Ayuk, had a good one escaping the pocket and firing it into a tight end. I think it was Dwelly. Um, then he had that incredible pass to Ray Ruben McLeod, who was running kind of a drag route over the center of the field, and it kind of started getting to the left sideline. He threw it right over the linebacker and the free safety that was kind of coming back up to the route. It was such an impressive throw. Now, And those can really only happen when the defense is not fully expecting it. You know, It's really hard to pull those plays off when the defense is lined up like they're expecting a pass. So the 49ers have got to get Trey Lance and that offense into second and mid, third and short situations where the options are all available and the defense doesn't exactly know how to play it. And that's way easier said than done. But if you go back and look at that Denver game, I mean, they were averaging 11.7 yards per catch. 
and 5.2 yards per carry. The fact that, and, and Russell Wilson threw for 340 yards, the fact that they managed to produce those kinds of statistics yet still get beaten by the Seahawks just seems a little wild. I mean, the Seahawks were credited with two forced fumbles and two fumble recoveries. So you're talking with, you know, you've obviously got some, um, I believe Javante Williams fumbled the ball. I don't know if it, it, it doesn't say who fumbles the ball in here, which I'm not a huge fan of, but Broncos were turning over the ball. That's obviously what kept the the they went some and they had some weird decisions too. That's obviously what kept the Seahawks in the game. But as far as how they produced against the Seahawks defense, it was pretty solid. They had a lot of success on the ground and in the air, and I expect the 49ers to do the same. The 40 the Seahawks defense didn't really show me anything that I'm just that I'm terrified for the 49ers offense. It, it was just okay. It just seemed like the Broncos did everything in their power. To, to, to keep the Seahawks in the game. So keep those three running backs involved. Rotate them frequently. See what they got. If you're going to have two months without Elijah Mitchell, give each one of these guys a carry and see who becomes the hot hand. Just don't automatically assume it's Jeff Wilson Jr., who you know is coming off of a major knee injury not too long ago. Um, it'd be nice to see them get some serious rotation. Um, get Brandon Ayuk a little more love. Only had one catch for seven yards. I believe he also had a... No, he had one carry for seven yards and then two catches for 40 yards. Get him a little more involved. What we saw in training camp from Brandon Ayuk was ridiculous. Get him more involved. Throw him some contested catches. Get that man the ball. But, I mean, if, you know, Jawan Jennings had a great game. He had four catches for, for 62 yards, including a, a deep 40-40 yarder. Beautiful pass from Trey Lance. You would just like to see them. The whole talk during the offseason was how good this team is around Trey Lance. That's 100% correct. Get the ball to all those guys. A lot. A lot. Trey Lance should not be leading the team in carries. The ball should be getting out quickly to those other players to make shit happen. On defense, I guess one of the main matchups we already know, or at least we greatly assume, that the defensive front is going to get after Geno Smith. I don't expect Geno Smith to complete more than 60% of his passes, let alone more than 80% like he did against the Broncos. I think the 49ers are going to get after him, and that just has to be a prerequisite. Geno Smith is not a good quarterback, but if you're going to allow him the comfort of just sitting back there and going 23 of 28, then I don't care who you are in the NFL. You're going to make that defense pay. This is a big game for the linebackers because uh, you've got Will Disley, a Seahawks tight end, leading the team in catches with three um, and a touchdown. You've got Cody Parkinson, another tight end, had two catches uh, for 43, also had 43 yards and another touchdown. Geno Smith loved throwing to those tight ends. And there's, you know, and Noah Fant, the third tight end, has and had another three catches. So that's three tight ends. When you, there's a total of 23 catches, and those three tight ends had eight of them. So that's a third of the targets went to tight ends. So that's a huge – you've got Fred Warner. You've got Dre Greenlaw, who has been on the injury report. I don't believe he's expected to miss the game. I've got to, uh, I've got to check my, my email and the participation reports on that one, see where he's at. But that's going, to be a, that's going to be a task for the linebackers who are typically dropping into those zones where tight ends are covered. Um, or maybe it's going to be a task for the nickel corner and Sam Womack. We'll see. 
but it seemed like they really wanted to throw to those tight ends. Now, at the same time, DK Metcalf did have seven catches, but they were only for 36 yards. They were all these little, like almost like screen passes that never went anywhere. It was a little weird. But in terms of DK Metcalf, you've got to look at the corners. You've got to look at Traverius Ward, who's actually going to face a challenge this week. And you've got Emmanuel Mosley. Does Ward follow Metcalf? I don't think so. You've also got Tyler Lockett, who's no slouch. But again, they're both kind of limited right now to the quarterback that's getting the ball to them. But that is a hell of a wide receiver duo. So it's, you know, it's it's a game where the coverage has got to be decent. Coverage has got to be decent. So Thursdays did not practice. Brunskill, hamstring, Kittle, groin. Talked about that. Limited was Dre Greenlaw with an elbow injury. So he was limited. I would assume he was also limited on Wednesday that he's going to play. And he's a guy that needs a bounce back game. He was, uh, I think he was responsible for two 15 yard penalties against the Bears. He's got to have a better game. And like we said, there's going to be tight ends coming at him. Ward and Emmanuel Mosley are going to have their hands full with either of the two uh, Seahawks receivers. I like Lockett. I like Metcalf as receivers. They're both going to have their hands full. The 49ers are going to need good games for both of them. And again, we're just going to see a synergy between coverage and 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 pressure. If the pressure can get there, uh, good. That should relieve the corners. If the pressure can't get there, those corners are going to have to hold up. Um, we'll see. We'll see some other players I'm looking at. Javon Kinlaw had a pretty good game against the bears. Can he have another good game? Can he, you know, he had a little bit of an ankle sprain, but apparently that was a big, nothing. They're not worried about it. He's going to play. Uh, can he get after the interior of the Seahawks offensive line? Like he did against the bears. Talano Hufunga was just on a tear. One of pro football Focus's highest grade players on all of the NF in all of the NFL after that week one game, just unbelievable. He played most of the snaps. He had 11 tackles. He had an interception. He had a, ta- a couple tackles for loss, a pass breakup. He was all over the field. <laughs> as funny as this is, Talano Hufunga was playing like Seattle wants Jamal Adams to play like it was very impressive, but can he stack days? Can he stack weeks like that? That's when, you know, you've got yourself, a damn good player, but we'll see, you know, it's almost like if he could continue playing like that without Jimmy Ward on the field, then you can't wait to get those two together. You can't wait. Uh, obviously we're looking at Samson Ebukam. We're looking at Nick Bosa. That's obvious. Um, but again, if, if they don't want to let Geno Smith complete 80 something percent of his passes, they've got to get after those two rookie tackles. There's in no way, shape or form should a rookie tackle be winning the majority of his reps against the Nick Bosa and a Samson Nebuchadnezzar. And if you want to throw Jake, Drake Jackson in there, that's fine with me. Charles Omenahu, I don't care. The 49ers have a decent slate of pass rushers to take advantage of those matchups, and they should be winning the majority of them. Now, that's the thing about pass rush. You're not always... You're not always winning your reps. That's just the nature of trying to get past a big-ass dude. But Nick Bosa and... Samson Ebukam should, should, should be getting in there, should be getting after it. And then you just hope everything else holds up. You know, it's really hard to say the Seahawks are, are a good team. I thought they played a good game against the Broncos. I thought the Broncos played a horrible game against the Seahawks and made some really shitty coaching decisions, some really weird plays. I mean, you're going to pay a quarterback 
250-something million dollars and trade all kinds of picks for him, and then you're not going to allow him to get five yards. Russell Wilson could have probably done that with his legs. But anyways, I don't think we're going to be in a position where the 49ers are, live in a world where they've written off the Seahawks. I, I just don't. It's not a reality. Not after how that Bears game went. Not how bad after badly they got embarrassed. And what they the only thing they can do is point point the spotlight at at themselves after busted coverages twice resulted in touchdowns, penalties, prolonging touchdown drives. Uh, it, you know, it probably leading the league in penalties. I think one other team had more. I can't remember which one it was. That for, that first game against the Bears was all something the 49ers could look inward at. It wasn't like they just got bested by better players. They literally beat themselves all over the field. And so I think that kind of prepares them for the way they need to play against the Seahawks. I don't think you have to deal with any type of a trap game mentality. If anything, the 49ers have probably got one of the sharpest edges that they're going to have all season in terms of we need to get this shit right now because good, better teams are coming. Uh, and it's in front of the home crowd, which you're hoping is popping. Um, the 49ers haven't exactly won a shit ton of games at Levi's Stadium, but hey, it's a new year. It's a new year. Um, I think that's it. I mean, it's all pretty predictable in terms of what the 49ers need to do to win. They need to have a good pass rush. The corners have got to cover well. And uh, you you just have come to expect that they're going to be good against the run. It's almost like, yeah, they're going to be good against the run. They're, they've been good against the run. They were good against the run against the Bears. I mean, the Bears averaged 2.7 yards a carry. That's horrible. So are they going to be able to maintain those mistakes? Are they going to be able to get after Geno Smith so what's essentially a backup quarterback can't have the time to sit back there and feel like a starting quarterback? And then can the 49ers help Trey Lance grow into himself? If you were going to talk about all these great playmakers they've got on the offense, which is 100% true, then get the ball into all those playmakers' hands quickly. Quickly. Get it out there. Get it out there. Slants. Bam, bam, bam. Outs. Boom, boom, boom. You know, what I did like about Trey Lance's game is if you watch the press conference right after the game, uh, the dude like immediately calls himself out on like six mistakes and names exactly what he did wrong on those mistakes as if he's already watched the film. He just knew in that moment what he did wrong. That's a that's a, a great level of accountability that I expect him to bounce back from. It's just you, you just watch Trey Lance's press conference. There's a lot to like there. I think. From every mistake he makes, he's going to learn from it. And that's what you want to see from a young quarterback. So uh, I expect a better game from him. And again, uh, I'll say a prayer, if that's your thing, for to the weather gods and, 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 and hope for something clear so we can get a better look at, at what the 49ers should look like under Trey Lance. But uh, hey, I appreciate y'all. Hope you enjoyed that uh, Chiefs and Chargers game. It's a pretty great game. Justin Herbert's a tough dude. Tough, tough, tough dude. You you saw that one play where he could have easily scrambled for the first down and he just almost like collapsed into himself and just threw the ball forward out of bounds because he just couldn't run. Like I get it. A lot of people are going to be like, oh man, be tough. Just run for the first down. That dude just seemed like just wa just walking and jogging with a little power was just hurting his insides. So man, that was cool to watch. Anyways, it's a 49ers podcast. Shut the hell up, Rob. Appreciate all you guys listening to the pod. Please, if you're if you're on you know whatever app you listen to it, uh, give us a positive review if you feel it in your heart. Uh, but thank you for supporting us. Keep downloading the episode. 
listening to the episode, sharing it with your friends, sharing it with your enemies because you want to rub it in their face, whatever you got. Just I appreciate y'all supporting the pod. Uh, We will be back on here um, on Sunday evening after the game, breaking it down just like you know we all will. Uh, Have your takeaways ready. Get on Twitter after the game. Be ready for them takeaways. I don't care if it's 75 takeaways. Uh, I'm going to hit them all unless unless we start seeing, you know, the same shit over and over and over. over. But I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold for another week. We've got to get out of here. I'm Rob. You already know what it is. And we're signing out.